Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When you make a commitment, you're assuming you have a certain amount of knowledge about the future. For example, when you get married, the vows about sticking together from this day forward for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, presume there'll be rough times ahead. What you're also assuming is that you're not going to wake up one morning and discover your marriage and the foundation of what you're built your entire life on is illegal. Same-sex couples are actually going into marriage with the threat hanging over their heads, but that's a decision based on love. People do crazy things for love. You wouldn't do that in a business setting where you're dealing with hard, cold numbers or would you? Well, you might. It's called calculated risk, and it's precisely what's going on in the marijuana business. Marijuana is, at this point, federally illegal, but a number of states have legalized it to varying degrees, some totally, some partially. Those states, along with a healthy dose of optimism about the way the rest of the country might go in the future, is enough of a possible upside for a good number of businesses to bet the farm on a coming pot boom. Among those in this modern day gold rush is a local company called Jack's Pre-Rolls. If someday we're going to go to the store and buy a pack of joints like we buy a pack of cigarettes, we're going to expect uniformity. A consumer is going to want every joint in the pack to be the same and apparently we're going to want to put the joint down and light it up again later in a way that doesn't waste a lot of its content. And to get that kind of product is going to require a different kind of machine than roll cigarettes. And it's that kind of machine Jack's Pre-Rolls is investing in and, pardon the illusion, rolling out. The chief information officer Jack's Pre-Rolls is Paul Gregory. Paul, welcome out to lunch. Thank you for having me. There is one part of the cannabis industry that is federally legal, and that is the production of hemp. Since Congress passed the Farm Bill in 2018, it's been legal to grow, harvest, and process hemp into various products, including rope, bioplastics, CBD, and food. Again, pardon the illusion, but without getting into the weeds, the difference between marijuana and hemp is zero, at least as far as the type of plant. It all comes from cannabis plants. The difference is the amount of THC in any individual cannabis plant. THC is the ingredient that gets you high. The cannabis plant, with less than 0.3% THC is legally hemp. If it has more than 0.3%, it's legally pot. So if you're farming cannabis, it's essential to know the THC level of every plant in your crop. The standard way of finding out has been to chop off a bit of each plant and send it off to a lab to get tested. The real world problem here is in the week it takes to for a farmer to get results, the plant can increase its THC level. That not only changes the value of the crop, but in the wrong state, it also changes the farmer from a person legally growing hemp to a criminal farming pot. The solution to this problem is a handheld piece of technology that's called a cannabis zapper. The technology is actually called Raman spectrometry. 
and the revolutionary new handheld device that adapts it to measuring THC levels on the spot is called PAMAP, which stands for Predictive Analytical Modeling Application for Plants. The company behind this advanced cannabis science is Mariposa Technology. Michael Darle Mole is a partner and chief operating officer at Mariposa Technology. Michael, welcome out to lunch. Thank you for having me. Paul, now, betting on the future of the marijuana smoking business is, again, pardon the pun, what you would have to call high risk. As I understand it, your machine that takes marijuana and rolls it into joints is portable. The plan is to roll into a marijuana farm, take a harvested crop, and turn it into joints. I'm envisioning on the one side of the machine, there's a stack of cannabis plants, and on the other side, there's stacks of rolled joints. This is a departure from the way other comparable crops like tobacco are processed. There's obviously a lot most of us don't know about the marijuana industry, so you can start out by explaining this bit. What happens to these stacks of joints that your machine has rolled? What's the packaging and distribution process for marijuana cigarettes? Well, let me first start by saying that I am also new to this industry, and I'm two years into this, so while I will not profess to know anything beyond what I've learned thus far, I will, I will offer this. We have basically come in and replaced about 12 to 15 individuals that were otherwise hand-packing in a vertical knockbox-type apparatus, and that packaging component is an added option if they'd like for us to perform, but more often we finish those cigarettes out of the machine, check them for quality, put back any that aren't and re-roll them, and then deliver them just a finished crate full of a couple thousand or maybe even in some cases uh, two, three hundred thousand cigarettes ready to go or straight rolls as we like to call them. Michael, a handheld device that accurately and quickly gives a cannabis farmer an analysis of the THC level in their crop and other vital information about the plant seems like it would be an invaluable tool that every cannabis farmer will definitely buy. And it seems like you're first to market here, so you could own this sector. You could be the Apple iPhone of cannabis analysis devices. Suppose that happens and you become the industry leader and the indisputable best manufacturer of a device like this. Unlike the iPhone, which over 100 million people buy every year and will buy again in three years, how many canvas farmers are out there? Realistically, if this device works and everybody who needs one buys one, what do you guys at Mariposa Technology do after your first year or so when every person who needs a PAMAP has one? Yeah, so PAMAP is really the first stage in development for us. We want to start with the services we currently offer now, which are total THC testing, sex determination, uh, we can differentiate between marijuana and hemp with 100% accuracy. We can detect uh, different cannabinoids, CBD, CBG, etc. Um, we can also perform abiotic stress tests on plants. So the goal for us is to release PAMAP into the wild and then to continue <laughs> developing the database so that we can provide additional tests to farmers, growers, researchers, etc. And from that point, we ideally see ourselves moving into other crops. So cannabis really is a launching pad for PAMAP. And uh, I garden, but I don't think this is really enough. Are, they, are there boy and girl cannabis plants? There absolutely are. Yes, there are also hermaphroditic cannabis plants. 
I am going to use that at parties. That is, a, <laughs> that is very helpful. <laughs> yeah. um, Paul, uh, the machine, first of all, all I've seen is in B-roll, I've seen uh, cigarette manufacturing machines, and they're huge with a lot of people working on them and all. How small have you got this down to? Well, we figured out how to get this down to uh, a, the machine itself that we utilize is a, about a four foot by two foot machine that sits inside of a uh, roadie crate, basically, and it's got a lift built into it and wheels, and we can put it on a plane and ship it to anywhere in the world. Um, we have two support crates with a whole series of extra parts and consumables that go with it, including the paper and the crutches that are in lieu of a filter that you would normally find on a cigarette. Um, and that's what, in a pre-roll, keeps you from burning your fingers or needing to bother with a roach clip, as everybody's familiar with, or you know, everybody's holding it with the tips of their fingers. So we've gotten that whole unit down to probably, it'll fit inside of a single trailer and, and uh, we can be up and operational in about 45 minutes. And was I right about the, in the intro, that you've got this truck going through uh, the fields? So we will show up at a farm, and there may or may not be even an internet connection, which we need for our analytics system. And so that's where my IT background comes into play. We show up with our own power because we have power cells in the trailer that run the equipment. Um, we've even we're putting solar panels on top of those rigs so that when we show up at some of these farms that may be purely driven by a generator that just runs some lights and an irrigation pumps in the most remote sections of the you know, Oregon mountains or California foothills or wherever they happen to be growing, generally nestled in with the uh, wineries, we have what we need to function and, and get them a, a great product within a very short period of time. And Michael, the, uh, we're talking about THC levels so that it doesn't, doesn't get too high, but there's another, uh, there's another side to it, right? That if it isn't high enough, it isn't pure enough, then it's not really good for recreational and, and medical. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So really there are three main types of cannabis. You have pharmacological hemp, which is CBD-rich hemp, so this is what's mainly used to derive CBD products. You have marijuana, which is what we all know, and uh, you know, I would say we all love, but uh, not everyone. Um, and then you have hemp, and hemp is what we would consider a, a, a crop that is grown for a lot of different uses. Grain and fiber, um, as you mentioned earlier in the introduction, you can use hemp for everything from biofuels to plastics to textiles to food. Um, so the amount of THC in the plant is really the only qualifier that determines whether you're growing marijuana or hemp. Otherwise, the plants are completely the same. They're completely uniform. But your product, I know this isn't the big market, but um, <laughs> you detect explosives with that. Absolutely. So that the, yes. the product that we use <laughs> is originally used um, by you know the TSA, uh, Bomb Squad, uh, Border Patrol, different regulatory agencies. It's it's uh, capable of doing something called offset ramen scanning, which which is where you look for soup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, this this technology allows you to scan for substances through surfaces. So you can scan through a suitcase at the airport and determine if there is explosive material inside of that suitcase, for example. Um, so we're really piggybacking off of an extremely complex and comprehensive technology. Um, it's only been around since about 2010. 
Raman spectroscopy has been around for almost 100 years, but handheld versions of this technology are extremely new. So um, we're, you know, we're still developing the database. We're still developing a lot of the, the algorithms that allow us to provide a result to a grower or a farmer. Um, but as of today, you know, t THC detection was the first goal we set out to solve, and we can absolutely tell you. So a as of today, we have 93% accuracy in total THC testing. But and this is, on a this is on a live plant still in the ground, moist, uh, N nothing about this is processed. So this is a raw crop. So just to, I have a quick question for you. So if I, if I had a crop that was in the ground and I had uh, you guys or if I owned one of those pieces of equipment and I took a, a reading from it at a very early stage, I could make that decision then to go ahead and d destroy that crop and start over because that THC level is too high? Is that, yeah. is that what what that savings is referring to? Yeah, so we we like to think of our tool as an optimization tool. So we're not able, at this point at least, to, to provide a COA to anybody. So we can't provide a certificate of analysis to a farmer. However, what we can do is we can give them a product that allows them to test and optimize their crop throughout the entire growth cycle. So as of today, we're able to test seedlings at six weeks of age and tell you the sex of the plant, THC content of the plant, um, we, we're working on terpene levels, we're working on different abiotic stresses, nitrogen stress, uh, UV light stress, heat stress, drought stress. So uh, really we see ourselves as a tool to optimize the growth cycle rather than a tool just to get a test, get a COA and you know, go to market. We're, we're really providing resources for farmers and growers and, and researchers who want to really optimize the plant. It's reminding me of the Pandora Music Genome Project, where you, they analyze every song out there and then tell you later on who the best market is for the song's future written in <laughs> key of G, you yeah. know? And uh, based on accumulating yeah. all that information, it sounds like that's going to be yeah. a fantastic for, database. For all, the, uh, for all the Star Trek fans out there, we like to think of our device as the tricorder. You, you point it at any living, right. you know, complex living tissue, and it will provide you with a result. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Michael Darley Mole from Mariposa Technology, creator of a handheld device that measures the amount of THC in a cannabis plant, and Paul Gregory from Jack's Pre-Rolls, a marijuana joint rolling company. Now, Paul, I, um, so far I'm so, so far so good. But in terms of you, now you got the tractor uh, leaving the field, and you've got a, a ton of joints in there. What, go, what happens next? Where, do you sell them? Do you give them to retailers? <clears throat> in the state of Oregon, we do hold a wholesale license, but that's primarily for the purposes at this point of being able to transport that product back to our uh, facility and, and roll it there where we maybe have a little better control over some of the humidity and the temperature and, and some of the key factors that go into making a, a premium uh, straight roll. More often than not, we show up, we, we roll it, bale it, if you will, and get it ready for that farm to then sell it to their wholesaler in some states or directly to the, um, the dispensaries themselves. So would it have a, like your, your logo for Jack's pre-rolls? So ultimately what we're doing is actually we will end up with our logo will be what you see when you look down the front end of where the filter would be or what we call the crutch. So many of these crutch producers have the ability to create a letter or a logo inside that roll. You know, for all those these years we sat there waiting for uh, uh, dinner to come out and somebody was playing with the paper of the straw, you were able to start playing with the concept of, if I roll this a certain way, I can make something out of it. So. 
that was actually the basis for our logo as well. Next, next stop, bendy joints. Exactly. A, I loved those straws. They, uh, now, you're both kind of uh, in an interesting position, I think probably a pretty smart position, where you don't want to be growers. You're the... What would, what would the term be that you're 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 kind of on the side? You're the you're the ancillary, Le maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the Levi Strauss of the mm -hmm. uh, Gold Rush people, mm -hmm. which worked out great. Uh, most people didn't find gold, but everybody picks bought and jeans. shovels. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. You know? How did you decide? Um, like, Michael, you, uh, you one of the things you said was that you saw this amazing industry, and then you had to figure out where you wanted to be in it. I mean, there's so many different roles. How did you determine it? Yeah, so I had a little bit of a roundtable set up with some other people that I knew. Um, I had also recently sold a business, so I was in a position to get involved in something new. And a few of us were really interested in the cannabis industry, but we also knew that being in Louisiana, there's a lot of red tape and you need to be very careful with how you proceed. So uh, we kind of started researching and calling folks and seeing what we could uncover that might be a, a benefit to us to get involved with. And um, in the middle, or in the middle, I should say, the height of COVID, uh, we stumbled upon this amazing journal from Dmitry Kurowski out of Texas A&M. And he had published this paper all about the differentiation between hemp and cannabis using a Raman spectrometer. So it, uh, in our research, we kind of just said, hey, why don't we give this guy a call, you know, see if he's interested in chatting. One thing led to another. A week later, we were in College Station making a deal with Texas A&M. And so essentially what we did was uh, provide commercial support to this technology that they had developed. And in partnership with Texas A&M and the AgriLife Center there, we've kind of continued down the path of developing, you know, six other tests that we can perform with this device. Um, and for us, it's a, a great place to be because we don't touch the actual product. We don't ever touch the cannabis itself, um, other than for, you know, testing purposes, which we do in all <laughs> completely legal ways. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's a tough industry to get involved in if you don't actually touch product. You have to really understand the industry in order to know how you can make money and how you can be of, of benefit to a, an industry that we were talking about earlier is extremely friendly and, and welcoming. Um, so we felt like we kind of hit a sweet spot with that. And this is good, so you can still actually tell your mom what you do. And <laughs> yes. uh, it works out, works out fine. <laughs> Paul, um, what about yourself? Did you see that this was a uh, this was a, a need, the fact that it hadn't made any progress? So I, I, I am a, a problem solver by nature. And, uh, you're kind you of know, a, you're an IT guy. I'm right? an IT guy, yeah. And so I, I started talking. And let me back up and I'll give you the brief synopsis how this started. So my business partner, Alan, and I, uh, he was out taking care of his mom in her last years of life amidst COVID. And she lived, and he was originally from Portland, and he saw in every corner there was a dispensary and there was all this product. And he said, I need to come up with a way for us to capitalize on some of this. He and I both have been in the IT and installation business of a lot of technological stuff here. And, and uh, he'd worked for a number of years for a local um, um, alarm company and, and did a lot of lighting for a lot of big concert venues and stuff like that um, as well. And I had, we'd had some overlap in some of that. And when he came back to town after his mom had passed, we started talking more and more about this. And he said, I was spent some time trying to find uh, a, a pre-roll that was not falling apart he was looking for something at you know six to seven dollars per joint year or you know per pre-roll you get two puffs out of it and it's falling apart and it's a mess and so it was in his search for this that he found one or two of a straight roll type pre-roll 
that then led us down the road of researching to find who makes the best pre-roll. Spent about a, six months to a year on that, stumbled at the MJ BizCon conference into a small booth in a back corner of a bunch of engineers, one of which had uh, originally worked for HP, so he understood the whole mechanics of it and had devised the perfect joint rolling machine because he himself wanted the perfect joint. Um, he did not quite have the vision, I guess, that we did initially, and, and I think he kind of did, but knew that he was an engineer, and Alan's roadie background was perfect for putting said case on, in, uh, you know, on the road. Um, and my background, or, or, or uh, sort of con contribution to this, was more about helping them figure out how to build yet an even better mousetrap. So when they saw, when the manufacturer saw that we were as committed to their device as they were, they were very happy to sort of begin to form a great partnership and alliance and allegiance between us that um, had, you know, will continue to stand us very well and in going into the future. And Michael, first of all, <laughs> it's very complicated, but where does Louisiana stand in the law right now? Yeah, uh, Louisiana is not, the, I wouldn't call Louisiana the premier state to operate a cannabis business in by any means. Um, <laughs> Very but well said. Yeah. You know, it's a, yeah. Hey, you gotta you know, gotta watch, gotta watch yourself. Legal said that's uh, okay. <laughs> the uh, the the state, however, in terms of the agriculture, is a is a wonderful place to grow, to grow uh, cannabis. It, it just is. Um, I would say for the majority of the year, you're capable of growing outdoor. Um, but obviously, you know, we have a, a large agricultural history here, and uh, we we could and probably should be producing a lot more. Um, as of today, it's, it's legal medically. Uh, it's not legal recreationally. However, hemp is completely legal. And in the state of Louisiana, as of today, uh, there are just under 100 licensed hemp growers. And we have communicated with many of them, not all of them. Um, and, you know, they, a lot of them struggle. It's difficult to, to kind of get your bearings in terms of growing the plant. Cultivating the plant can be difficult when you do it in, in large quantities. But, but only two growers of actual yes yeah yeah so so for, for marijuana there are two growers southern and lsu uh they hold the two license the, the two licenses excuse me um is this just for student consumption or is it <laughs> just, a, just oh, for research I'm just sorry. for student research. consumption just for research yes peter <laughs> um <laughs> and, and i would say that we I, I personally believe that we're close or at least getting closer to recreational use becoming something that is um uh, maybe just not illegal, right? Maybe we can move towards making it a little more uh, accessible for, for most people. Um, the medical industry is doing very well here. I'm assuming the state's very happy with uh, the returns they've gotten on making that decision. Um, but, you know, this is a, a $13 billion industry in, in this country, uh, $17, 18000000000 billion globally uh, and growing. So there's a lot of money to be had by the state. Um, and as we were talking about before <laughs> we started recording, there's a lot of things we could use money for in Louisiana. So um, I'd say the current state of affairs is okay and hopefully getting better. You know, this is another another big thing this year is a new farm bill coming. So um, hopefully we have some changes to laws this year in 2023 that allow for uh, just, you know, a, a bigger push in the industry. Is there, are, there, are there lobbyists? Uh, there are certainly lobbyists, okay. yes. I'm going to go. And, and I want to throw this in there. We have actually gotten a number of calls from hemp farmers who are looking to produce a smokable hemp product that they can sell at dispensaries in other states as well. Because it's hemp, and if I understand correctly, they're able to transport that hemp across state lines. So we've gotten yes. calls from 
uh, a farm in Texas that is interested in having us come roll that hemp for its medical uh, pain relief function, despite not having THC levels in it, it does provide some joint relief, pardon the pun, to <laughs> ailing joints. I started. Go ahead. You know, it's, as I said, it'll be a continuous dad marathon. Uh, so... Paul, actually, I, I love what you just said because what you just said gives me two great use cases to plug Mariposa Technology and PAMAP. So hemp is legal to transport. However, how do you determine that that product is hemp versus marijuana? That's something our device can do for you. So sure. if you are a user of PAMAP and you have that device on hand, you can easily show law enforcement, for example, that you are carrying hemp, not marijuana. Right. That's right. the first thing. The second thing is understanding the extremely small amount of THC that is legal in hemp and how easy it is to go hot, and that's the terminology used for hemp that turns into to marijuana uh, when it goes above that legal limit. It's such a small um, threshold that most devices are unable to detect that quantity, so you have to go to a laboratory and use something called HPLC, which is high-performance liquid chromatography, and this is the science used today to determine those THC levels. Our device is capable of, of basically delivering a complete molecular fingerprint of anything it scans. So the small amount of THC within the plant is extremely easy for our device to detect. So again, another use case for farmers growing hemp that want to make a pre-roll, sell a pre-roll that's not going to get someone super high. It's just going to be an enjoyable experience. Maybe it's high in CBD instead of THC. Our device is right. the perfect use. The use case that that farmer would have is perfect for us. And we just, are a perfect pair. Just to make clear, you don't, uh, neither of you manufacture your product, right? I, I like to borrow the phrase from um, a particular company it says, we don't make your weed, we make your weed better. You know, BASF, <laughs> I right. think you it was at one that, point. Uh, you know. That ad campaign. Exactly. That's a great tagline. It's and no, we, we, do, we absolutely do not. We do not grow any cannabis of any We are kind. almost the same as these guys in the sense that we, in many states, are almost considered non-cannabis touching because we're standing there and it's going through our machine and one of their representatives is present that owns the farm and we're just kind of helping it through and, and analyzing as it comes off. But technically in in i guess by the statutes in most states we 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 get to fall underneath that work permit of uh, an outside individual without having to go through the massive complexities per state per operator and michael you must i mean in some sense really to be honest you're more of a technology uh data analysis company, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we consider Mariposa Technology to be a scientific testing solutions company. Um, we're, we're a testing as a service company. We're a software as a service company. The hardware that we use is manufactured by a, a really large, impressive company called Agilent, um, who, who's a great partner to us in this endeavor. And uh, what we've done is basically reprogrammed a new database and a new set of, of neural networks and algorithms to process cannabis scans, which they did not do pre previously. So this is, like I said earlier, kind of a, a launching pad for us. We want to, you know, proof, proof out in the cannabis industry. Uh, and then we believe that PAMAP and other technologies from Mariposa can really move into agriculture at large. So, Michael, I have a question for you. As a, as a fellow techie and IT guy, explain to me a little bit more in detail how the laser or how this process actually works, how you're able to derive the information from the tricorder. Yeah, so... Raman spectroscopy is a really interesting technology that uses scattered light and vibrational modes of molecules to determine a lot about whatever you're scanning. And usually this is complex living tissues. So this device is used mainly in wet chemistry. 
Um, we are one of the first, if not the first company to start using this in agriculture. And basically what you do is you fire the laser. It's a point and shoot technology. The laser makes contact with biomass. It excites the molecules and that excitation is picked up by the device. There's a reader in the device that picks up the vibrational modes of the molecules. It then creates a spectrum based off of that information. And the spectrum is sent to our database, which processes all of that information based off of thousands and thousands of scans that we've done all across the country of different hemp and cannabis samples. So essentially, you're pointing a laser at a device, and within 60 seconds, that device is telling you everything about that plant. And Mike, in a way, you're burying the lead here because um, without you, the old way is they would take a sample, send it, and then it would come back, the results come back in a week. And not only did that take time, but then the plant itself could change its THC levels, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the biggest things that we have in terms of competitive advantage is that you can go out and scan your crops in real time. You don't have to harvest them. You don't have to desiccate them. And we're able to provide information that's not only important to grow, but is extremely imperative to profit. So, I mean, I could tell you endless stories of farmers who have gone hot and lost millions of dollars. Some of them, met, many of them actually gone out of business completely because they grow hemp. Their hemp goes hot accidentally, you know, marginally over the 0.03% threshold. And they go out of business or they're out of business at least for that season. Millions of dollars of losses. There's, there was a report from the Iowa Department of Agriculture in 2019, 25% of all grown hemp went hot. So one quarter of all hemp being farmed in that state in that year went hot. And that, you know, it, when you look at the, the legal limit, what they have put the 0.03% for total THC, it's extremely low. And you could raise that to 1% and really have no issue in terms of the psychological effects of, the, of, of THC. You know, I'm so. always trying to find some way for you people to do business together. And I, I think I got this one. As you're, <laughs> and you're in the field... Um, uh, taking the marijuana and, and rolling them into joints, you could use your bomb detecting and uh, make sure that he doesn't blow up. This is exactly. Oh yeah. Keep the cartel out of our uh, out of the harvest. Yeah. Or deploy the drones. I, I smell think, a new you know? business yeah, coming. I think, I think there's going to be drones with one of these in in the headpiece of each one. So Paul, I, I have a question for you. Uh, I'm used to seeing more of a cone-shaped rolled joint uh what's the you know yours look a little more like cigarettes what's the benefit of that so we kind of came at this from the approach that we've we don't need to reinvent the wheel that philip morris and all these folks that have produced what's referred to as a lieberman style or a straight roll burns better it's easier to put out and relight tastes just as good the second time you light it as it does the first time and coming up with the ability to really kind of become the quote-unquote Kleenex standard of tissues, we want to become a Jax, will be referred to as the straight roll that has nothing but pure flour in it, no sticks, no stems, no leaves, no no garbage in it that is typically what's associated with a pre-roll, is that it's the sweepings uh, left over on the floor, you know, where you're going to convince these farmers to only use maybe their B and C bud. You know, as they break down these buds, they have A, B, and C, and A goes in a jar and gets sold because it's pretty at the store. But they're destroying the B and C because it's the misshapen fruit of the cannabis world. And we're saying, wait, don't destroy that. Let us grind that, roll it for you, and now you have a separate product that you get to make money from. And it looks pretty, too. 
<laughs> there is a formula investors use to determine how risky a stock purchase is going to be. It's, it's called risk-reward ratio, and typically the higher the risk, the higher the potential reward. Michael and Paul, your two companies are both at the early stages of development in a field so full of unknowns that it would be hard to accurately assess the possible reward for the risk you're taking on. The legal hemp industry is in a comparatively lower risk, lower reward category, but the THC side of cannabis farming business, it's a textbook example of high risk with a potential market that is simply unknown. If marijuana is legalized, is it going to be as celebrated, popular, and, and lucrative as alcohol, or is it going to be highly regulated and generally regarded negatively like tobacco? Only time will tell. All we can do is wish you and your companies luck. It might be interesting to meet back here in a year and, and get an update. Till then, I look forward to following your progress. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today and Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you so much. My guests and Out to Lunch today have been Paul Gregory, Chief Information Officer at Jack's Pre-Rolls, and Michael Darley-Mole, Partner and Chief Operating Officer at Mariposa Technology. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Michael's and Paul's careers in cannabis by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And the show today was engineered by Blake Longlinane. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.